At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville and Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today I'm talking with Mike Mills, formerly of REM. They've got two albums celebrating big round anniversaries this year that we talk about, 2008's Accelerate and 1998's Up. We also get a check-in on what Mike's been up to since the band broke up, how he spent a little bit of time in the classical world. It's Kyle Meredith with Mike Mills of R.E.M. First off, though, I, sh- I should say, so we're in Louisville. I-, I noticed that you were just at the Derby again, right? I was. I was. I, I come as often as I can uh, to help benefit the Unbridled Foundation and have a good time while doing so. Yeah? Did you, do you walk away with anything, money-wise? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I did okay at the Oaks. Uh, hopefully came close to breaking even by the end of it all. That's, that's about the best we can all hope for. So <laughs> to break that's, all I, that's all I can ask, yeah. <laughs> so there's, a, there's three years I kind of want to hit on, and they all end with eight. 2018, 1998, and 2008. I thought we'd spin the wheel, and I'd let you decide where we go first. Uh, well, uh, given my memory, 2018 is probably the best start. <laughs> Well, we'll start with the present then. Um, lately, I noticed you've been doing uh, sort of messing around in the classical world, a concerto for violin, rock band, and string orchestra. Uh, I'd love to know what that, more what that's about. Well, uh, uh, my, my very good friend Robert McDuffie uh, came to me a few years ago and, and said that he could play Beethoven and Tchaikovsky until his hair fell out and he'd rather try something different. And he asked if I would write a, a half-hour concerto for, uh, for as you said, uh, Violin, rock band, and string orchestra. Uh, Bobby and I have been friends since uh, grammar school, actually, high, early high school. 
and so I, I gave it a shot. It's um, it's it's really not strictly speaking a classical piece. It's more of a song suite, but it does have uh, the elements that define a concerto, which is that it's about a half hour piece of music that uh, relies. Uh, heavily on the virtuosity of the soloist, in this case, uh, Bobby McDuffie. And, uh, you know, it's something we really enjoy doing. Uh, we work a lot with youth orchestras when we play it around the country, as well as other symphonies. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to show people that the, that the gap between classical and, and rock and roll might not be, be as, uh, quite as wide as people think it is. And I think I've used that term, heard that term a lot, too, you know, the, uh, the line from Beethoven to the Beatles. It's, it, as you say, it's, it's pretty small. Well, yeah, I think people are surprised when they go when they see this because they they might be expecting one thing and they get a really great combination of I, I I think you know some of the best parts of classical and rock and roll. Now I know you're you're you know enough years away separated from REM to have that in the rear view, but this still has to seem like such a different world and a and a different setup for you, or, or does it? <laughs> well. Uh, you know, it, it is, in fact, uh, because most of the venues so far in which we've performed are classical music venues. Uh, we have done shows, you know, we work with these string orchestras. We've played with the Toronto Symphony, uh, which is very uh, intimidating. So it, it is, it is uh, sort of, it's not brand new ground, but it hasn't really been done that often, often that... Uh, that we try to combine the Venn diagram between the two types of music. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of uncharted territory, but but we're making it work. Now, outside of this, I mean, what do you keep yourself busy with lately, music-wise? I mean, are you still working in the rock world? I know a handful of years ago, you and I have a mutual friend with Joseph Arthur, so, you know, you'd been on tour with Joe. And uh, but, but are you doing yep. anything else in the yep. rock world right now? Um, you know, I do, I do some charity stuff. I do... Uh, I, I, of course, enjoy playing golf, so I try to combine charity music events with golf events. Uh, Patrick Warburton has a huge event every year out in the desert uh, that raises a ton of money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Uh, I'll actually be doing another event for St. Jude in early June in Memphis that Steve Cropper is, uh, is hosting. So, you know, those things are really fun for me to, to do good work and have a good time doing it. Uh, we're hoping the baseball project can do uh, a run of shows uh, late this summer, if Scott McCoy is feeling up to it. So, uh, you know, there, there are fingers in different pies here. Gotcha. I know Scott right now is with Joe and Peter Buck. Joe, See, to me, Joe is just slowly putting REM back together in, in the most long way around possible. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I've, I've been, a, been a fan of Joe's for a long time, as you know. And, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I haven't heard he and Peter's work yet, which is slack of me, but I will be listening soon, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, it's a really great record. With the REM world, uh, because there, there seems to be relevant news, uh, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott's REM podcast, have you been keeping up with that? I, I've been, uh, I'm aware of it. Um, Adam and I communicate occasionally. I have not had the time to sit and listen to it yet, but I'm, I'm <laughs> very much looking forward to it. He's a funny guy. This seems like also, you know, an interesting way for a new audience still to find REM after all these years, you know, maybe not coming in the, the entrance from one of the big hits like a, a lot of us made it. I, I don't know if you've seen any impact from that or even if that crosses your mind, like where the new generation, how the new generation finds your old work. Well, you know, it's, it's certainly it certainly brings some new fans to the fold, I think, or, or reinforces for a lot of other fans that they're not the only ones that like it. Uh, it's really nice of someone of Adam's stature to, uh, to, to make a point of, of talking about it. You know, music is always out there. I, I came to a lot of music later on myself. You know, there, there are a lot of ways that you find out about music, and, and not all of it is from the radio, fortunately, or satellite radio or whatever the coin of the realm is currently. 
but it's but it's really good that uh, that people encounter music in unexpected ways. Well, I'll tell you, you know, as far as that band goes, and you know, I, I follow you. Uh, pretty closely on Twitter. I, I like keeping up and liking the things that you're saying because with the current White House, I keep thinking, though, isn't it a shame there's no new REM record? And I know that's not even in the pie right now, but, oh, the things I feel like you all would be saying right now. Well, it, you know, it's, it's true. Uh, social media certainly is a double-edged sword, but at least it gives people a chance to to uh, speak their minds, state their opinions, and, uh, you know, you, you can engage with like-minded people, or you can have, hopefully, intelligent discussions with people who disagree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Twitter itself is a very instantaneous method of doing that. You know, I enjoy the give and take. Uh, it's also nice to be able to vent. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I just think everyone should have a political opinion, and I think everyone should be involved in politics. And I think that the more Americans uh, that do participate, uh, the better the result we're going to get is. As far as, though, you know, on, on the writing, uh, do, do you find yourself writing about any of this? Do you, do you work on solo music in that way? I tend to concentrate more on the on the instrumental and melodic side of music. I enjoy lyrics and I enjoy words, but I often find myself hitting a wall when I try to, to write them myself. But yeah, I mean, I, so that's, that's why a lot of times I say this, the things I have to say in social media rather than writing songs about it, because I don't always feel that I express myself as well uh, with lyrics. But certainly, you know, there's, there's plenty of material to draw upon these days. Well, we'll spin the wheel a little bit. I, I want to head back 10 years because Accelerate uh, just uh, celebrated its 10th anniversary. I always feel like this is a record that sort of gets lost in the bigger REM conversation right now. And um, see if we can jog your memory a little bit, because at the time, for various reasons, this was sort of called the comeback album, the rock album. In retrospect, is that a fair assessment? You know, given the inevitability of people needing to put labels on things, I, I, I think that's as fair as any. You know, obviously, uh, none of us were thrilled with Around the Sun. It started out really well, and we made the mistake of trying to uh, do a tour in the middle of making a record. You know, we learned a lesson from that, which is that once you start a record, you need to forge on through to the end. You know, by the time we got back from the tour and tried to finish Around the Sun, we'd sort of lost focus and weren't exactly sure where we were going with it. So it, it ended up being a bit meandering as far as we were concerned. So when we did Accelerate, we decided to uh, make the songs as short and punchy and powerful as possible. Uh, we edited ourselves very, very heavily, more so than we've ever done before. And, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to make it pithy. <laughs> and, and, and so we had to say, get in and get out. You know, Peter and I have always agreed that there's very little more powerful than a three-minute pop song or rock song. So that's kind of what we shot for with that. And it does have one complete sound. I mean, at the time, I don't think you guys had done that since maybe Monster. Monster seemed to have that one combining sound that went all the way through it. But but this one, for a band that is so creative and you've done, you, you did so many different sounds throughout the years, it, it seems like to me it'd almost be a challenge to have one cohesive sound run all the way through a record like that. Well, that's that's actually very well said. You know, for, for anybody that's been doing their craft for years... Uh, you have to branch out and experiment and try different things. And we certainly did that, you know, to varying degrees of success. And uh, when we got together with this, and we, we said, it would, this has to be focused. This has to be tightly focused and, and laser sharp. And, and uh, you know, and that in itself is a challenge, especially when you haven't done that for a few years. You know, looking back, when, when Collapse In and Now and the breakup was announced and everything, you had talked about how you had known it was coming for a few years 
did you know that the end of REM was coming during Accelerate? Because when I look at a song like Until the Day is Done, it seems like it's spelled out perfectly for everybody. No, we weren't really aware of it at that point. We, got, we became more aware of it as the tour went on, the 2008 tour. If you want clues in songs, they're on Collapse Into Now. Mm-hmm. There are two or three songs on, on that record that address uh, the, the coming disbanding. But really, when we were making that record, we were just trying to reestablish ourselves to ourselves, not not so much to anyone else, but to ourselves as a as a tight rock unit, and uh, and and you know just prove to ourselves that we still had the the force to pull it together to make a, a great record. Uh, I want I want to cheat a bit here because you did bring up collapse into now. Well, I did actually, but uh, did, did you ever get did you ever wish that that uh, album had been able to be toured because uh, it's you know it never got the live chance in the way the others did. Well, you know, I suppose that it would have been a cool thing, but but I don't really uh, have any regrets about it because we were pretty sure that the 2008 tour would be the last one, and we never had any plans to tour Collapse Into Now. It was a record that was made to sort of say goodbye with. You know, we, we, we didn't want to do the tour where everyone knew it was the last tour. You know, we didn't want to do one of those big farewell things of all sentimental and maudlin and like, oh, we're going to miss you guys and all that stuff. We just wanted to you know, make our statement, put the record out, and then say goodbye. Well, I do want to jump back in 10 more years further just for a moment here to talk about Up, which is getting its 20th anniversary this year. Uh, first off, this is one of my favorite REM albums. Up, I absolutely love. I might have listened to it more than any other record in your catalog. Wow. Well, but from you. what I understand, it was sort of a difficult record to make. Is that is that right? Well, it it, it it didn't start out that way. I mean, you know, we, we started working on the songs with Bill and the band, and then uh, we found out that Bill didn't want to be in the band anymore, so that left us with an option. We could either stop or we could keep going, and Bill insisted that we keep going. He said, look, I'm not going to be the guy that broke up R.E.M. So uh, we decided to go ahead and make a record, and we figured since we didn't have a drummer, we would go machine and, and use machines for the most part. Um, obviously, Barrett Martin did a great job on Lotus. But we wanted to just say, look, okay, everything's changed. All the rules are out the window. Let's try something completely different here. I'm really happy with Up. It was a lot of fun to make what for R.E.M. was an electronica record. Uh, you know, Certainly, Kraftwerk might disagree with that. But um, <laughs> for us, it was kind of, it was a lot of fun to be machine-oriented. Musically, it was a lot of fun. The dynamics of the band had obviously changed. You know, without... Without Bill as a balancing force in the band, all of our quirks and foibles became a little more obvious to each other. And, you know, we just had to reestablish the balance of, of being in a band together. And uh, that was something that, you, you know, you might want to, you might not want to do that while you're making a record, but nonetheless, that's, that's the hand we were dealt. So uh, we got through it very well, and, and I'm pretty proud of that. There are, there are songs on there that, that sound nothing like you all had ever done before. I mean, starting it off with Airport Man is a statement in itself. It really was. Well, that was, that was my idea, which is, at this point, it was like, you know what? I, I, there was criticism coming in from some directions about things, and I said, okay, well, here it is. You know, we are not going to pander to anybody with this record. This is, this is what we sound like, and this is probably the least pop song we've ever done, so we're going to make it first. And if you can deal with this, then you can deal with anything. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed the contrarianism of that maneuver, but uh, some people didn't like it as much. Nigel, Nigel Godrich uh, helped you out with this. Was did those sounds? Did he have anything to do with those sounds? Because he's sort of known for that type of thing. Oddly enough, the sounds came more from Pat McCarthy. 
Pat was a really is still he was an extremely talented man who has a lot of uh, unusual ideas and uh, um, you know a lot of the noises were were keyboards and machines that Peter had found in, in looking through uh, antique stores and 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 uh, garage sales and uh, and we just gave Pat a free hand to say here make some noises and and and, and see what kind of sound beds you can make for us. So I think it was probably more Pat than Nigel, although Nigel was a, was a big piece of the record. I think it was more Pat McCarthy. Yeah. Well, I can't say enough great things about that record again. I mean, at my most beautiful and Day Sleeper, I mean, those are two perfect songs in, in my world. So, uh, you know, I appreciate all you guys did with that. Really do. Thank you. Well, that's, that's, that's our trip through time right there. Uh, I don't think we need to go back another 10 years to 88 at this point. That's been well-tread uh, many times over. So. <laughs> you, you are correct. <laughs> It is a pleasure, Mike, uh, talking with you and catching up. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. And I'll look forward to uh, if you guys do the baseball project again. Uh, when, when that happens. Well, I look forward to that, too. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. You, too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to Mike Mills of REM for giving me the call today. Don't forget to subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. And for you podcast folks, please head over to iTunes or Podchaser and give us a rating and review wfpk.org that's where you can go to hear me every monday through thursday from noon to three eastern i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time consequence podcast network when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.